Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz, episode 394 in the house. Today we're going to have a big show today. We're going to be talking uh, the Gruden emails, which is the bombshell in the NFL that came out yesterday all over social media. So we'll be diving into the Gruden emails, the Washington football team, some of the concerns and issues there. Uh, we're talking to Terry Lister uh, coming up here in the second hour as we dive into the NFL thoroughly, week, uh, week five, and then dive into week six and get to see what we're going to be up against. Um, the Rams, uh, awesome uh, Thursday night uh, versus Seattle, which is really happy, uh, the rebound for us. Uh, then we get into the bye week here Sunday night. Buffalo took care of business against Kansas City. Kansas City in a slide mode here. Uh, Monday night, Indianapolis almost uh, put a, a leg up on Baltimore. Baltimore makes a, makes a comeback, and they win 31-25. So we're going to talk to Terry Lister about you know, what happened there in those three games. Plus, we'll go into the situation of week six as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will take on the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Seattle Seahawks will take on Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, and the Bills will be taking on the Tennessee Titans. So really, really key games happening in week six. So we'll dive in with Terry Lister after we dissect the Gruden emails and what things could transpire from that uh, in terms of the investigation there. And going forward, what will happen in terms of the NFL scope? Uh, transparency is one thing. Another thing is to completely, call, you know, just bring out all this mess and see how they're going to, you know, change up with PR and stuff like that. So a lot of thoughts on what these uh, emails, you know, are, are what's going to happen after the Gruden firing here in terms of the NFL and the scope of the NFL between coaches and players and management and owners and et cetera. All right. Awesome. But we're going to dive into college football first, as we always do. And then we're going to go into the uh, monkey knife fight huddle. So if you haven't got a monkey knife fight, go to monkeyknifefight.com. Use the code NJF. You get a $5 free play up to a hundred dollar match. You can play NFL all season long, Thursday night, uh, Sunday night and Monday night. Check us out with us. Uh, uh, more or less is the easy prop. That's what I play. So if you're inclined to put in $5 and you get both bets right, um, then obviously you make $15. If you put in 30, you make 90. If you make, if you put in 100, you're going to make 300 on a right uh, more or less play. So check it out, monkeyknife5.com. Use the code NGF and get started today. So we're going to go into the uh, college football scene here. And who else to go into but Holly's Corner? So let's get her take. Welcome back to Holly's Corner. Here are some of the most interesting results in college football from the weekend. Texas A&M 41, number one Alabama 38. What a game. Texas A&M had a great game plan. They took advantage of a weakness in the Bama defense by hitting seam routes and sit routes right in the middle of the field. Defensively, they created turnovers and brought a lot of pressure off the edges to make Bryce Young move. Bama made it a game late, and Bryce did what he could to try to pull it out, but the Aggies did more. Delgado played the game of his young life, and down goes Bama. Number two, Georgia 38, number 18, Auburn 10. Not surprised about this. Georgia's defense is legit, and I'm not a fan of Bo Nix. 
Knicks ended the game with a 39.7 passing rating, and Auburn could not run the ball on that Bulldog D-line. Georgia dominated in the trenches and ran for 201 yards to get it done. Number three, Iowa 23. Number four, Penn State 20. This was a classic Big Ten matchup. Penn State came out early and punched Iowa in the mouth, but they responded. Nico Ragioni scored the go-ahead score late and sealed it. Iowa is cruising so far, and their schedule on the back end softens up. They have a shot at the playoffs as long as they don't look too far ahead. Penn State has a lot to play for still and will be relevant late in the season, however. Number six, Oklahoma 55, Texas 48. Another week and another Oklahoma scrappy win. Texas came out and walloped Oklahoma early with 28 first quarter points. The game was getting away from Oklahoma until they benched their Heisman hopeful quarterback, Spencer Rattler, and with, with Caleb Williams, who provided not only a spark, but completely changed the game. Williams finished with 212 yards passing and two touchdowns. Do we now have a quarterback controversy? Casey Thompson also played well for Texas and had five touchdown passes, but Texas continues the Jekyll and Hyde season. Number nine, Michigan 32, Nebraska 29. Michigan comes from behind to secure their sixth win of the season. Nebraska provided a feisty game, and Adrian Martinez had three touchdowns, but the Michigan run game with 204 yards was too much. Boise State 26, number 10, BYU 17. Boise State surprises BYU in the upset. The Broncos had an excellent second quarter to pull away from the Cougars. Jaron Hall was back from injury and threw for 302 yards, but four turnovers by the offense put Boise State in great position. Number 17, Ole Miss 52. Number 13, Arkansas 51. What a crazy game. If you're an offensive-minded person, this was a game for you. These two teams had... 1,287 yards of offense combined. K.J. Jefferson bounced back from last week with 326 yards passing and three touchdowns. Then Matt Corral also added 287 yards passing and two touchdowns of his own. There were 41 combined fourth quarter points. Ole Miss nearly had three different players that ran for over 100 yards. This was definitely a fun game. All right, guys, uh, what a what a weekend. Alabama goes down against Texas A&M. Number two, Georgia takes care of business. Iowa takes care of business. Oklahoma in the same boat. Michigan as well. Uh, Just a lot of action. And the shuffle in college football has begun. And this is going to be very interesting down the stretch because this is what we were looking for every season. The the fact that the SEC might be knocked off and there might not be a team from the SEC to go into the playoffs which is unheard of, but that could happen uh, or could not happen. So we'll, we'll find out. So number one, Georgia at 6-0 and uh, moves into the number one spot. So Georgia might have a historically great defense as the Bulldogs have allowed just 33 points through six games. That's including two back-to-back shutouts against SEC foes Vanderbilt and Arkansas. So this Saturday coming up here, it is uh, Georgia taking on Kentucky. And then you got Iowa 6-0 and as well. The Hawkeyes remain perfect thanks to a rally knockoff of number four Penn State by three points. The Hawkeyes intercepted four passes and started to make a comeback following the injury to Penn State's quarterbacks Clifford. Uh, Iowa got two touchdown passes uh, from Spencer Petrus. And so they they are doing really, really hot. Cincinnati moves in at 5-0 and to the number three spot. 
It's a non-conference slate in the books for the Bearcats. Uh, really good road wins over Indiana and Notre Dame. Each of each of them came in double digits. They opened up AAC play with a dominant 52-3 to win against Temple. Um, so that uh, Oklahoma will move to number four here while Alabama drops to number five in the, some of the polls. So Oklahoma continues to win close games with the most recent win against rival Texas. Uh, Oklahoma trailed by 21 but rallied to win 55-48 as Khalid Williams took over at quarterback and K- Kennedy Brooks rushed for a 217 yards and the winning touchdown. Oklahoma's 76-0 win over Western Carolina is the team's only win by more than a touchdown, but the Sooners are still perfect through five weeks. Uh, obviously, Alabama's going to have to deal with this coming weekend. Michigan also at 6-0. and uh, The Wolverines won in Madison, Wisconsin in week five, where they hadn't won since 2001. This last week, Michigan survived at Nebraska, hanging on to a 32-29 win. Uh, Hassan Haskins ran for 123 yards and two touchdowns to get the Wolverines to a 6-0 state. Uh, Number 10, Michigan State, also at 6-0. Michigan State opened the 2021 season with a 17-point win on the road against Northwestern, which put the Spartans halfway through matching their win total from last season. Since then, Michigan State has continued to climb up the rankings. The Spartans toppled Rutgers 31-13 to reach 3-0 in the Big Ten. So uh, let's go into give us Holly's take for the next week uh, in terms of the NCAA. Here are the best matchups for college football for next week. UCF at number three, Cincinnati. UCF could play spoiler here if Cincinnati isn't careful. How will the Bearcats handle being a favorite? The leadership provider helps. This team goes as far as he takes them. Number 12, Oklahoma State at number 25, Texas. The Texas roller coaster continues against the Red Hot Cowboys. That being said, Oklahoma State hasn't had the toughest schedule early. Going on the road to Austin will be interesting. Now, can Texas show their maturity here after blowing the lead against Oklahoma last week? Number 11, Kentucky at number 1, Georgia. This is a very interesting game. Kentucky is having one of their best years in recent history, and Georgia's defense is scary good. Willie Evans is throwing the ball well for Kentucky, but will he get enough time to do so? Number five, Alabama at Mississippi State. Suddenly, Alabama looks human after such a stellar start to the season. You know Leach is going to throw the ball. Now, as offense normally likes to throw to the edges a lot, can they take advantage of the middle of the field like Texas A&M did? How will Alabama respond? Number 18, Arizona State at Utah. Utah is always a hard place to play, and this will be a fun matchup. ASU and Jaden Daniels can move the ball. Historically, Utah has had excellent defensive fronts, but this year, they've been inconsistent. Can Utah create some home magic? This should be a Pac-12 after dark crazy game. And it's going to be interesting to see number 11, Kentucky, take on Georgia because this is going to be a key one. So one week after beating then number 10, Florida, Kentucky remains undefeated with a dominant 42-21 win at LSU. Uh, Quarterback Levis passed for 145 yards and three touchdowns and added two more rushing scores on the ground. Uh, But things will get obviously difficult, as Heidi has uh, um, Holly alluded here, um, as the Wildcats visit Georgia. So that's going to be a big test for this Kentucky uh, squad. Number 12, Oklahoma State 5-0. So the Cowboys are just one of two undefeated teams in the Big 12 through Week 5, with the other being obviously Oklahoma, which faces a ranked Texas squad in Week 5 
while Oklahoma State has the week off. If the Longhorns top the Sooners, Oklahoma State could be the conference final remaining team with the perfect record heading into Oklahoma State's own matchup with Texas. Following a road win over Boise State, Oklahoma State knocked off back-to-back ranked opponents in Kansas State and Baylor. Interesting going to be this weekend, even Arizona-Utah will be interesting to see. Uh, There's a a couple teams in the top 20, uh, including – Obviously, the uh, UTSA at 6-0 and as well. The Roadrunners opened their season with a road win over Illinois, and in week four, they defeated Memphis on the road. UTSA had another close win to get 6-0, and hanging on to beat Western Kentucky 52-46 on the road. UTSA allowed 670 yards but came up with a big interception late to get the win. So in the top 20, uh, there might be a shuffle in the top five, depending on what happens this weekend. But uh, there's a couple teams are moving up up, up, up the rankings. And that's going uh, to make it interesting to see who stands out. But so far, um, we have number one, Georgia, number two, Iowa. Uh, Cincinnati is sitting at number three, number four, Oklahoma. Alabama drops to five. Um, and then you run down the rest of the slate, which is uh, Michigan at eight and, and ten, which are the most important ones right now. So the, the key games this weekend, UCF against Cincinnati, number three, number 12, Oklahoma against tw- 25. Texas, number 11, Kentucky against, uh, obviously, Georgia, number one. Number five, Alabama against uh, Mississippi State. That would be a, a statement game if Mississippi even comes close to beating Alabama at this point. Number 18, Arizona State against Utah. So interesting uh, situations going to happen in college, uh, college football right now in terms of what's going to happen in the games uh, this weekend. So uh, we're going to be uh, pretty much covering it all uh, at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. It is the place to be. It is the best network on the planet covering everything women's American football, including NFL fantasy, NFL week to week recaps and previews, including college football recaps and previews. So uh, thanks to everybody for subscribing out there and liking our page. Uh, we're almost at 10,000, almost. Uh, I think we're almost uh, at 9,200 right now, uh, trending to two to 10,000. So at the hub. So really, really appreciate it. Also, if you haven't gone to our Instagram gallery, Head over to our Instagram gallery. Check out all the amazing uh, championship teams of uh, this past month right there at the Instagram gallery at Great Iron Beauties on Instagram. And if you're inclined to go to at No Joke Football at the No Joke Football brand shop on Facebook or Instagram, uh, check it out. You can get uh, anything, tank tops, T-shirts, leggings, capris, anything you want to check out there. Uh, use our code uh, ZazzleThanks for 15% off. If there's a higher code, obviously use it. For that purpose as well. Uh, if you're international and you're listening to, uh, listening to us in Europe, uh, you can go to the Zazzle.com forward slash on beauty site, go to the very bottom uh, tab on Zazzle, look for your country code, and go to your own country shop. It'll save you money. It's in your own country denomination and money. And also shipping will be obviously less. So check it out if you want to support our podcast. Uh, check it out, Zazzle.com forward slash on beauties. Is the place to be. So, and don't forget to sign up to Monkey Knife Fight uh, this weekend. NFL, uh, PGA, MMA, NCAA, uh, college football. Just a lot of props over at Monkey Knife Fight. So you get a five dollar free play. Take advantage up to a hundred dollar match. So check out MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Use the code NJF to get started today. All right. So we're going to dive into uh, Olivia Griswold here in a couple minutes in the uh, Monkey Knife Fight huddle. And we're going to be also inviting everybody to subscribe to our Apple podcast 
our iHeart podcast and Spotify. Thanks, everybody, for subscribing to our Apple podcast. Uh, based on metrics, we are uh, trending really, really awesome over in Europe, close to the 120th rank in Europe, uh, especially in Denmark and in Germany. So uh, shout out to everybody in Denmark and Germany for making that happen to us and listening is out, out there on all the group boards. We really, really appreciate it. Also, shout out to uh, Spain as well, coming in strong in Europe for us. And as well as shout out to the uh, Aussie uh, crowd out there, uh, always supporting us out there and always uh, listening to us and really, really appreciate it. And to the North American Swing, as always, for being here and supportive. So we really, really appreciate it. So don't forget, subscribe on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. You can also find us on globalwomensportsradio.com. And you can go to the uh, podcast tab there at globalwomensportsradio.com, and you can get uh, everything there in terms of the podcast. All right. Here we go. Let her know here. And check it out. Here we go. So uh, we should have Olivia coming in here in a couple minutes, and that will we'll get, we'll get started as well. Um, and then we'll t- talk to her about her uh, awesome season, uh, Defensive Player of the Year in the WNFC. Uh, for the Texas Elite Spartans. Um, so that's uh, hopefully it will be 2022 no different, uh, but that's what's going to happen there. So let's go ahead and bring in Olivia right here in the Monkey Knife 5 huddle. All right. It's the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. All right, guys, deposit up to $100 now, uh, so you guys can go to Monkey Night Fight, use the code NJF to get started today. Uh, Olivia Griswold, how's it going? I'm good. How you guys doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Are you awake? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, working that construction, um, I was moving 85-pound um, pavers that during my wow. project. So, yeah, sometimes I didn't know I would sleep till I was waking up in the middle of the night. So, well, it's it's cool. It's pretty cool because I I do uh, deep sleep too, and people are like, "Well, you look like a corpse out there because you're all exhausted." <laughs> so it happens. <laughs> all right, Olivia, uh, wanted to bring you on because uh, defensive player of the year in the WNFC, uh, big honors for you. But uh, you know, you you've been in this uh, spotlight uh, for a long time now with the Texas Elite, you know, from best of the West to now in the WNFC, so uh, congratulations to you and, and your honors. Thank you, thank you. I also got to give some credit to my teammates and everything like that because without them and sometimes uh, a few of us is actually out there tackling each other at times trying to get to the ball, so it's, I got to give a little bit of credit to my teammates and my coaching staff as well for myself getting that um, honor, so it's a kind of a team um, award along with um, it being personal. So, Olivia, what did you think of the season uh, in your eyes as a whole for the league? What's your view on of the season so far from from this past season? I think the WNFC, all they did was take it another level in uh, women's football, given – us ladies, that some of us been in the game for a while, an opportunity to um, see the growth and being able to have the competition and just seeing how Adidas and Rydell and some of these um, <clears throat> other companies and businesses 
are getting behind women football and giving an opportunity to other um, people and fans to see it um, from having the app, being able to still see the games and the championship and playoff games on there and being able to uh, watch it along with all the um, media exposure that the um, league on its own have and then individual teams like the teams also push uh, the game. It's just a, the game's changed a lot. Um, the competition definitely stepped up with uh, having uh, kind of, even though we didn't have a season, a lot of players, I think, didn't rest that year. It wasn't a rest year uh, rest, rest year for anyone. Everybody you could tell was definitely putting in work, um, even though we didn't have a season in 2020. So, you definitely, I've definitely seen that um, overall jump in, uh, even though we didn't have a, a season in 2020. Olivia, uh, your career has been pretty storied, uh, Hall of Fame as well in 2018 uh, as part of the class that I was inducted as well. So it's an honor to mm-hmm. be with a classmate. Um, but you know, you're, you've been you've been following the game for so long. The changes uh, are you know just trending positive at this point. Both leagues are getting sponsors. Both leagues are aligning with some sort of, uh, you know, uh, visibility in terms of media or platforms. So, uh, you know, the, the the next step is basically just to get some sort of a regional contract so that you can have all these games uh, to a bigger audience. But uh, obviously it's grown, right? In your eyes, I mean, you, if you think about it, I've, I've been covering since 2009. You've been playing for a long time. And uh, this is a this is probably what we talked about at the beginning of, you know, like 10 years ago, and now it's achievable and, and it's actually real? Yes, yeah. Um, I think it's just that next uh, next year, it could be next year, it could be a couple more years. You just never know what's um, being uh, presented behind closed doors and what uh, the league may be um, working with, being the WNFC or the WFA or whoever out there, um, with social media, you can definitely see the growth of uh, women's football just from, for for me, just from at that aspect, from women being on a, uh, all over the, actually all over the world, you see that there's um, a lot of social media about women's football and it's the um, number one growing sport. And you definitely could tell by um, the commercials and more younger girls, little girls being able to play and, um, some uh, cities having leagues and everything like that. So it's definitely what we were talking about first playing, saying, hey, it's a possibility you may see it or maybe once we get retired, but now it's actually at that point kind of an honor to actually be um, kind of out there um, being defensive player in a year and then playing for the Texas Elite Spartans, one of the we, I mean, the best team in, our, in women's football in my eyes. So, I mean, everybody can argue with that, but stats don't lie, numbers don't lie. So kind of just being able to um, be a mentor for some young ladies that's out there that I don't know I'm actually touching their lives. And it's just great to to see little girls playing football and um, knowing that they one day can play on, a, um, on TV and stuff like that. So it's definitely growing and – um, all it takes is that one person to believe in whoever, whichever league or however they go. It's just that one step is, is right there and it's 
right behind, you know what I'm saying? It's right there at the door. So we just re- um, waiting for it to open. So, um, Olivia, what do you credit you guys' uh, amazing record of just shutting people down, minimal scoring? Because it did a great job in this season, even up to the finals against San Diego. So uh, I know that, uh, you know, you're going to credit the line and everything, but overall, I mean, this line has been solid in the in the two years it's, that you guys have, you know, showcased yourselves in the WNFC and obviously championships in two years in a row. So, uh, what is what? How you know what? What do you credit the line in terms of you know the the stout line uh, minimizing scoring? In other words, well, uh, it goes from the high up uh, Odessa Jenkins basically being the owner and head coach of the team, high, holding everyone accountable. accountable for what their job is, and that trickle downs to our defensive coordinators and down to our uh, position coaches, and then each one of us holding each other accountable for what our job is. My job is defensive end. That's what I'm supposed to do. Our coach tell us what our job is, what our individual goals and everything is, and that's what I'm supposed to do. Each person has their individual goals and our job, and basically everyone has their job to do, and we hold each other accountable, and um, just uh, the competition on this team, just individual. I mean, like, overall, uh, if we don't have a good practice, I mean, like, it's not necessarily a good practice, but we know when we're slacking off, we can't have a slack. There's no slacking off. So each practice is you leave the best on film, we get film. So whatever you did last practice, you definitely have to either improve or get better, or if you have a, like, sometimes uh, different players may step up, and um, we've ha- actually we moved to a, a 3-4 versus a 4-3 this year because of injuries and things like that, but that didn't stop us. We just stayed accountable for each other and made sure the people that was hurt and everything like that made sure they got healthy, and any, but we can change it up. We have a whole different lineup. We can so people in and out, keeping each other healthy and fresh and things like that. So it's just holding each other accountable and making sure each one of us are is doing our job. And, um, I mean, that's basically what it is. It's, it's kind of simple, but sometimes being simple actually, you know what I'm saying, makes, makes it work. And Kay Spain and um, Coach Hughes doing a game plan for each week to – tell us what we need to do. We play in someone different, and each team has different abilities. And some Houston can, has a running team or, you know, saying they have good runners and things like that. So it's just everybody got to do their homework at the end of the day and be ready for that game on Saturday. So, uh, Olivia, do you, do you feel you're a target, and do you like to be a target? So I think everybody at the beginning of 2022, everybody will be eyeing you guys as the benchmark, how do you take that? You take that as a positive or, you know, come get me so we can get better? Um, I kind of, it's kind of always, I mean, I'm used to kind of having that target on my back, so it's nothing new for me. And a lot of right. the players on this team being uh, past Diamond players and also other players being on championship teams as well. So it's kind of something, it's a, I mean, for us, it's a standard that we're going to have a target on our back, and it's kind of like, hey, you're going to either take that – you're going to take your aim, and it's your it's your point to either hit that target or not. But 
as long I mean, we at the end of the day, we going to do our job and we come in and <laughs> it's basically Saturday we got our job and we have our game plan just like anybody else. It's just on who's going to execute it that night with the least amount of mistakes. And, I mean, we have mistakes. A lot of, sometimes we have a lot of mistakes in our games, but sometimes we can just, you know what I'm saying, do everybody do their job at the end of the day, and sometimes those mistakes really don't matter at the end of the day. All right. Uh, number six, we're talking to Olivia Griswold, a champion, Hall of Famer, as well as multi-time champion uh, with the Texas Elite Spartans right here on the Blitz. Um, Olivia, this, the, the scenery and the, uh, the atmosphere at the Nine Cup, what can you tell us about that in your eyes when you walked in? Nine Cup, this is the weekend, you got flag football, you got panels, you got, and then you got to get ready for the game. So what was your, you know, your first impressions when you walked into the Nine Cup weekend? It was really amazing to um, actually be at the Dallas Cowboys, one of their practice facilities. Um, that facility was all, was open all weekend, so it was kind of I feel as though closest treatment to being a professional that I've had. Um, came in, sign up, get your passes for your, the field passes and everything, get the itinerary. And um, for us, we didn't uh, play in the All Star um, game, but we got our jerseys and was able to watch the um, practices and things like that and kind of stick around. Well, for some of those that um, stayed around, but it was just the facility and the um, staff at the um, Star and everything were great, uh, having the recovery area open for some of us before the game and after um, the game as well, and then the All-Star Pro players being able to use that too as well was awesome, and not only, like, the swag bag, like, the swag bag was just crazy, having the um, the book bags, the um, the jackets, the sweatpants, like, that was just amazing. Like, it's, it was just a step up from um, when we had it in Denver. And I thought, I mean, at that point, like, they outdid themselves um, in uh, uh, 2019 at the other in Denver. But I'm just, like, they just stepped it up another notch and having Adidas and then all the other um, uh, uh, brands and businesses there for the uh, the uh Fan Fest and everything. The Fan Fest is a great thing to have the fans there and kind of do meet and greet and kind of um, mingle with some of the other players and um, the all-pro players, some people that you may only get to see like once a year when you play each other and things like that. So it was just a, a very amazing um, opportunity. My, I had my um, sister was able to come and see it. Um, she just moved down here to Dallas and to see women's football where it's stepped up. She said she had an amazing time and just it was great to have all the sponsors there. It was really they stepped it up and I was very happy and amazed and um, it's kind of like sometimes like looking at the videos and things you can it's just like it's breathtaking and then to have the big screen playing some of the um, different teams' uh, videos and stuff like that to see yourself on a big screen playing in the NFL um, practice stadium was just uh, – it's breathtaking. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm lost for words sometimes, um, as you can see. But um, I can only imagine what they're going to do for 2022 for the Nine Cup. So um, if they – what they did this year, um, it's, it was great. So I loved it. Well, we we have the excitement with the girls' flag 
I think na- nationwide everybody's excited now with girls' flag, with NFL flag, plus, you know, flag in general, being a growing mm-hmm. sport uh, within the high schools in certain states. Um, it's going to be benefiting, and obviously you're, you know, uh, Angelica Gracian being involved with the NAIA is obviously going to benefit that. Katie Sowers uh, out there as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's a lot of movement in terms of the flag scene that ultimately uh, down the road here, maybe five, ten years, we're going to see the fruits of the labor in terms of uh, girls participating in tackle football as well. Yeah, the flag football, that's definitely one avenue that's um, really helping with the growth of women's uh, football because a lot of um, parents don't want their um, young girl to be getting tackled and um, playing flag is is definitely a different game. I play flag and it's a different, it's a definitely different speed and um, it's a different animal to play when you um, playing flag versus tackle. So it's definitely an exciting sport. It's fast and that's a thing that's going to catch. So people like a fast game. So those young ladies that was at the um, uh, nine cup, those it was we were exciting. We were really cheer. We didn't know who to cheer for, but we was cheering for everyone, and it was really exciting to see those young ladies um, playing flag. So it's definitely um, talent um, out there with these young ladies playing flag, and to see it in college is definitely um, showing that there's uh, is a step. It's it's only going to go up in, with more colleges and things to get more scholarships and opportunities for other young ladies. It's just going to grow and um, change. Um, football is going to definitely change football for other young ladies out here in the world. So it's definitely um, great seeing, especially having um, uh, Jelly, uh, Angelica Grayson, we call her Jelly on the team, uh, out there being one of the leading ladies out there. Um, with her team out there in Kansas, it's definitely great seeing um, familiar faces out there and us, uh, Katie out there with um, Kansas or out there coaching too. So, yeah, it's gonna, it's going to be a different uh, environment. I think the feeder system there is going to the starting point. I think it's going to benefit ultimately both leagues. Whether you're playing in one league or the other, there's a benefit there. You know, for girls to try to try to come out to um, do tackle. Uh, Olivia, the the barrier of the funding is still an issue for, you know, for tackle football, but, you know, as we grow the sponsorship, that's also going to lessen the uh, the way that girls can come in to play tackle because if we ever get to a stage where the sponsorship is big enough to pay for the equipment, then just another it's another barrier that's been eliminated, and I think a lot of girls would then participate even more given the fact that they're not, they're not, not going to pay out as much as maybe the veterans did in the past. Yeah, definitely the equipment, um, shoulder pads has, and helmets have gone up every year that I've been playing. Um, I know my first pair was, uh, I borrowed them from my cousin, and they were, uh, I think he had them from high school or something like that. So I had mine for free, and I think I, the next pair I had was maybe like $100, but the amount of money just for the basic equipment uh, to play now is pretty getting up there to almost a thousand dollars if you're going to get the nice stuff and make sure you're um safe out there on the field but um yeah that definitely sometimes scares off some people along with like some some team sponsors i know ours were kind of low um compared to some teams that's out there so even with the sponsor uh or player fees that 
some players have to uh, pay does scare off and definitely having low lower either having no type of player fee or somewhere where the equipment may be um, paid for definitely will get more players to play the game. So um, that money definitely is always the number one concern about uh, people playing. Some people, women, we have to sacrifice either, um, you know what I'm saying, getting the newest things at home or paying for a player fee. So sometimes having that sacrifice that we have had in the past will not be there in the future. And it's just going to grow. I think it's there and um, some people getting the having the right people at the right table and having the right conversation. I think somebody will definitely see that there is the avenue for money and that some, I mean, somebody's going to make that check and make that move to really make that a big investment in women's football being whoever, if it's going to be with the WNFC or with the, um, another league out there, but it's definitely that move is being made and, uh, hopefully that other women that have kind of had the opportunity to want to get out here and play will kind of come out there and definitely um, want to get out there and play. So, Yeah, I think the if the burden is lifted in some format, even if it's not 2-0, zero, zero, but it is minimized, I think the participation will come, ac- will come across even better for some of the players that are transitioning maybe from the flags uh, world into tackle and understanding that the two the two different sports obviously because you're getting physical with one like you said the other one is really more athletic and and more speed and uh you know i've seen flag i you know try to play flag it's it's a totally different game the hips are you know hip movements different the the shiftings are are different they're just it's just lighter right it's just a it's, mm-hmm. it's a different ball yeah, it definitely is, like, because um, I, I play a different position. I, at least I try to. A lot of times they put me back on a defensive line. But I myself try to play at a little bit of different position because of the speed and things with um, with flag. And some of the ladies, all you have to do is pay for your uh, for the uniform and pay for cleats. And that's, you know what I'm saying, you, you're done with your uniform. So they see that it's less money and, they're, even with the flag, um, some of these tournaments, these teams are winning a couple of dollars out there with these flag tournaments and getting entries. If they win top, you know what I'm saying, get in a top tier or top um, place or whatever, they pay for their entry to get into some of these tournaments that are paying good prize um, prizes and everything like that. So it's a lot of talent in flag and Sometimes uh, some players can't convert over to it's two different um, sports, like um, we um, stated. But um, either or, the opportunity will lead to each other. Um, uh, getting women's flag football is definitely a growing sport. We have a couple of um, I have a couple of teammates on the team that are on Team USA and things like that. So it's definitely uh, an avenue, and it's money behind that. And I think that's also helping with um, regular tackle football overall in a general um, standard from uh, all, I I say all over the world because uh, flag players are also, uh, some of them are playing tackle and they get to see each other in some of the tournaments. Some people that played on Team USA have seen some of the players on other um, flag uh, 
teams and things like that. And it's just really just growing. Like, SWAG is um, definitely, those athletes are definitely a, a different beast and things like that. I've played, seeing them at my personal, and then um, just some of them don't, like, they don't want to play um, tackle. So that's one thing. We could also be a fan, each, a fan of each other and uh, just grow and just, it's all going to uh, end up, impact and helping each other with from flag to tackle and we one of us win all of us win together and it's a win for um, women's sports and just in general all right um i'm going to tell the fans here uh number six is there a specific reason you wear number six and your signature your signature (laughs) road warrior face on game day so what's what's the the whole thing behind the six and that face on game day. All right. So, okay, um, I changed my number from 86. My uh, birth year uh, was 86 when I played in Pittsburgh. But I always went at six because um, I actually, uh, the star football player for my high school, um, Rogers High School in Toledo, Ohio, he passed when he was the um, junior, if I'm not mistaken. But he was the um, best football player uh, a lot of people have seen. Um, he was supposed to go to O State and get in the NFL. Um, if you ever if you if you've seen uh stats of Drew Sean Humphrey, um, you definitely he's um definitely was the NFL body um in high school and everything like that and he ended up having um passing um from an irregular heartbeat and I kinda just wear that number just a dedication for him. Um he should be playing in the NFL and things like that. So it was just a little honor um, for me to wear the number six uh, once I moved down here to Dallas since it was available. So it was just the honor of um, someone that passed at an early age and just the dedication to him and everything like that. So, But the, um, my eye black, that kind of started uh, when I was in Pittsburgh, just kind of um, transformer. I had a Transformer T-shirt that I would wear under my shoulder pads and just kind of go into war mode. It's, um, I'm a different person. Uh, that's why they call me OG versus Olivia. Olivia does not fit on a football field at all. That's a little bit too soft. And, uh, no they, way, Olivia, really? Part of, how would you say? <laughs> I said no way, Olivia, really? <laughs> Olivia yeah. doesn't fit on the football <laughs> Olivia should Definitely not be not OG. How- yeah, Olivia does not fit go. for uh, the way I play on the field. So um, they kind of gave me OG. And uh, it's just when you want to feel, um, it's just a whole different mentality, for at least for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, just to be, uh, I mean, to go playing defense, you're hit, basically hitting somebody every time. And, um I don't know, you just got to – it's just a different switch. I'm not Olivia on the field, I'm OG, and it's a whole different person versus um, me being off-field and everything like that. So um, this year kind of going with the different colors and stuff like that. Um, technology, they have a different color eye black now versus just having a straight black. So kind of just changed it a little bit to see um, what I like. I guess a lot of people kind of – adding the gold and everything just changed it, um, changed it up. So just a little bit fun with changing the colors and things like that with um, 
with the different colors, but um, but the eye black is just it's wartime. It's time to go to battle, and um, I'm I'm not being ice out there. So once you see the eye black come on, you already know it's game time. Or and everybody know I'm in game mode once the eye black come on. It's a whole different person. So you're so. not uh, you're not as polite as Olivia. Is, is that the the whole theory behind this? <laughs> yes, yeah, Olivia is the kind of like the light side, and um, OG is kind of like the the dark side. So, so uh, <laughs> you Olivia, me, y'all feel what do you say? OG, mm-hmm. the Joker, the Joker on on Saturdays. Is that what you're saying? It's the opposite. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Yeah, you meet me on the off field and you'd be like, um, I'm just like real super nice and stuff like that. But when it comes to game time, I'm, it ain't no games out there. I'm, it's time to go to battle and uh, whoever wins at the end of the day, we're going to win or you're going to win or whoever it is. Obviously, we've been winning, so I got to put that out there. But, you know what I'm saying, it's going to go to battle and I'm ready to take on whoever or one person or three people, whoever or whatever you're going to bring at me. I'm ready to face it, and I'm. That's what it is. So <laughs> it's just the whole. It's just a different persona, and um, just a. If you play football, you definitely know what I'm talking about. And sometimes you gotta flip that switch, and that's just part of it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a real uh, you know situation because it's kind of like two different personalities, and then you get the red, you know, the green light. Saying okay, well now now you can actually assault somebody without going to jail, so you exactly. call yourself crazy in a lot of in a lot of ways, right? It's, right, yeah. A lot of people like some of us say it's legal assault. I can go on yeah. Saturday nights. I get to legally hit somebody and not go to jail for it, and sometimes pick them up if I like them or leave them on the ground and keep it moving. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's just a different mindset. I love it. And, um, I'm glad to be able to get back to football after not having a year, um, with COVID and everything. Yeah, it was a different environment for sure. Uh, all the restrictions and limitations. And then the fact that we had to go on non-human contact for most of the time and being on zoom calls and just a crazy little 2020 that everybody's going to remember, you know, it's just going to, or once or a race of, you know, so depending on your uh, situation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually worked the whole time. So I was working two jobs. So it was basically, I was working during the day and at night. And basically, um, it was kind of like a normal time. But everyone, it was basically everybody else was on punishment. And I'm like, I got to go to work. And everybody's at home stuck. And I can't see anybody. I can't go over their house because we're supposed to be on um uh uh quarantine and everything so it was just it was really different um but definitely uh the zoom calls and zoom workouts and things for the team definitely helped in many ways so it wasn't like um we didn't have um no uh contact in a sense we still had um zoom calls and seeing each other face to face versus sometimes uh phone calls aren't the best you can you can't see their face and being able to talk to each other and see each other faces at times definitely helped um at least it helped I know it helped me so we didn't we still worked out so we still have practice we had practice on Saturdays and Sundays so that aspect was still the same but versus having to drive to a field or anything and everything and being together 
So we still practice. So it was uh, technology helped, and everyone um, was able to adapt, and uh, OJ made it mandatory. So it wasn't like um, it was um, kind of free if we wanted to go or uh, click in on a Zoom meeting. You had to be there. If not, it was consequences, and you had some explaining unless you were working and had or had some, you know what I'm saying, family issues and things like that. So um, definitely it was an experience. Um, adapt, we adapted. I adapted in ways, but um, I'm kind of glad that we had that year off. I had some working two jobs definitely put a strain on my body, and I was able to definitely get – uh, where I wanted to, which obviously showed this year with um, being defensive player of the year and um, the team helping with the team um, make its team goals of winning another championship in the defense, not getting any uh, points scored on all season. So um, it was. Uh, I'm glad it in ways that it happened. I'm not um, happy for that COVID nineteen was the cause of it, but. Um, in ways you have to be able to take the um, negatives and sometimes turn them in positive when you can. Um, it's I'm, I hate it that everything happened with COVID and the many people that lost their lives. And um, I know my family was affected. I didn't have anyone um, in my family pass, but my twin sister did um, have it and a few um friends did have it and um I know people that did pass from it so it was definitely a situation and um some people are still affected to this day so um so on that note it was um it was definitely a learning and growing situation for everyone and definitely for myself yeah it's a different environment for sure that was a, I mean a changeover for everybody I think it gave everybody a little bit of a perspective and focus on trying to get more relationships and networking. So there's, a, I think, a positive there for 2020 where it allowed everybody to kind of just hone in on, okay, let's, let's use this time to really, you know, start networking and, and gain some traction. And I think everybody in both leagues did that, and it kind of benefited the 2021 season in both leagues. Yes, it definitely did. Um, OJ was – uh, from Yahoo Sports to um, the Breakfast Club and everything like that. And um, even though we didn't have a physical football season, the the leagues definitely and women's football definitely grew uh, that year uh, a lot. Uh, many people that didn't know about women's football knew about football and were looking up film and old stuff and finding things on um, YouTube and things like that. And just um, social media, that that aspect alone was definitely was a, a big point of um, the women and players um, working out and doing things at home and doing the different videos and TikTok. And just that aspect alone definitely um, – Without having a game played, I think women's football grew a lot in 2020 just from the social media aspect and um, just um, people kind of getting uh, getting hooked on uh, just that aspect and then being uh, both leagues able to play, get back in the season and definitely show the world 
uh, the growth of women's football because I definitely seen uh, the teams like the speed and the talent overall is definitely growing and some women are making decisions to make those trips to other teams and kind of get on teams that um, are definitely making moves and things like that. So um, definitely uh, the social media and um, that aspect definitely helped uh, with the growth. Yeah, I think it's a benefit, and there was a bonus for a lot of uh, teams in general, and some teams obviously took advantage of the spotlight in terms of the, uh, like you said, with certain networking and certain uh, you know, podcast as well as like OJ, you know, going around with some of the major sports outlets as well. So that was really key for that as well. Um, Oli, before we let you go here, um, are you coming back or retiring or am I just crazy? Oh, no, I would be back. Um, definitely ready for 2022. Uh, ready to set that standard high again with um, hopefully maybe a defensive player a year again or the uh, league MVP or something. I don't know. But, no, I'm just playing. But, no, I'm definitely coming back and um, going to be stronger. You're capable. And, uh, so you're not playing. Yeah. I know you're capable. I know, I know. It's, it's I know it's capable, but um, I want to put that work in uh, this off season and get ready for the season. And then also with the um, Team USA trials coming out, definitely throw my hat out there for that. Um, be a 12-year uh, gap from being on a 20 10 um, team and trying to make it this year. So I got some personal goals that I'm working on to get ready for next year and um, just keep that high standard of play for myself and not let that dip, even though I'm getting older and everything. And um, I ain't going to let that old age fool anybody. I'm getting getting fine like wine, so – my game is just going to get better, okay. and uh hope everybody's stepping up their game, too, because I'm definitely stepping it up from last year. So just letting y'all know. Well, it's going to be a unique environment uh, because uh, the IFAB World Championships, to, uh, just like you said right now, are coming back. It's going to be overseas in Europe, in Finland, of all places. Uh, the birth of the original 2010 competition, uh, and I know uh, the teams in Europe are getting ready for that already. Uh, so I think the USA trials will probably be in January or March, from my understanding. That's when you guys are going to kick off um, in terms of, you know, going on to the camps if you make the roster. Um, I don't know how it will affect the regular WNFC season for some of you, but uh, I think the the actual tournament, it's late July to August, my understanding at mm-hmm. this point, if it's not changed. So that's going to be something – of a situation where you might have to cut your season short, maybe. You might have to pay a week or three weeks, and then you're done and getting ready, obviously, for the international competition. Yeah, I think, um, like in the past, the leagues that uh, actually kind of make uh, adjustments to the tournaments and everything. So if uh, they find it out uh, so soon, and I think the leagues may uh, actually make some adjustments. So, players aren't missing their home team games and um, hopefully don't have to make that big sacrifice because that's a very, very big sacrifice to be making. And um, that also, too, would be a judge on depending on who may uh, possibly try out, too, 
for the uh, for the team USA if they if compromising their own team uh, schedule for the league or for that game and everything. So that's definitely something to think about. I um, didn't think about that because I know in the past they the leagues did make adjustments to that tournament. But I'm definitely uh, if I make it or if I don't, I know that. Um, the European teams and everything are definitely going to be stepping up because the football over there, I follow a couple of teams um, personally on Instagram, and they definitely have um, some talent. Some of the uh, ladies are coming over here to America to play, so that's definitely a big signal. Uh, So I know some of those ladies are taking what they learn over here and taking it back home and, just changing up and evolving the game over there so that um, the same the, – the game are different from um, – for me, I was in there for 2010, so um, we didn't have any points scored score on our defense. But that was – you know, saying it wasn't necessarily a goal. We, you always want to go into a game to have a goose egg, but um, I yeah. definitely think that – it's going to be you'll we'll see a difference in the talent on the different teams that's going to be um in the IFF uh games and everything like that so either way I'm excited for it to be going on and just to see who does make the team and to even just to see um those games um happen it's going to be a great uh great games to watch either way so yeah, the excitement is built up in the North American swing uh, with Mexico coming in third with the bronze, uh, Canada with the silver, you guys with the gold. Uh, there's opportunity mm-hmm. for a couple teams in Europe uh, to obviously field a couple more uh, teams. I know Germany is probably going to return their team, which didn't have a team. Spain's um, more than likely going to put up a team, if anything. So uh, the the game has grown, to your point, especially in certain uh, areas of Europe where it is now 11, 11s played, which is basically what the competition is going to be. Mm-hmm. So everybody's stepping up to playing 11s, where normally everybody was playing 9s before because of you know numbers mm-hmm. and interest. Now in some countries that interest is higher, so they are playing 11s a lot more. So that is going to be a challenge uh, for you guys as well in terms of, you know, like you said, international competition. Yeah, it's just, that's just a, another example of, um, the growth, uh, I re- I did, yeah, that was true. I remember when the game was nines, and now they have multiple leagues in different countries and things like that. And um, I know my twin sister does the um, AFE uh, Team USA and uh, going down to Honduras and being, uh, I think they just went to Mexico, um, having those games and things like that are also um, helping growing the international and seeing that there is a little bit of that there, the talent's growing and the games are getting better and things like that. So um, that's also showing the growth of women's football overall in the world of, in the world. So it's just not in the United States where it's opportunities, it's becoming international. So um, it's there, and I know overseas um, it's definitely um, it's a different uh, different game over there. Um, they have a lot of opportunities and um, things back at them over there. So um, I think once uh, once it all it, it's always going to get there, and um, each year we all see the growth in um, 
the growth that's happened uh, from uh, 2020, it's just a, um, it's just it was a giant step for women's football all around. So um, the growth and everything. So uh, the talent is all women's stepping up in um, football and the IFAF is. I think that's definitely going to uh, be a showcase to the world just in general of uh, being that it's been a few years. And I know, like you said, on the U.S. side, it's just been very exciting. Just one of the biggest things that's been talked about for the past years, just trying to everyone seeing when there's going to be tryouts, wanting to try out and seeing when it's, how it's going to go, how trials are going to go, how they're exactly going to pick where it's going to go or, or where it's going to be. And I know it's just been a very, very big buzz for us, um, that's been on Team USA for the past. So I know there's going to be a lot of new faces and new athletes that's going to be out there. And um, even for, like you said, the other countries, um, new countries that haven't been uh, in the IFAF before are going to definitely try and uh, put their hat uh, or put their um, ticket in that hat. And, you know what I'm saying, and it might be some countries that we haven't seen before. Um that's the excitement of these games and the change of women's football all over the world. So um, maybe they might have, maybe the tournament might be a little bit bigger. Maybe they have may get more numbers of teams. I'm not sure, but it's just something exciting to just see who's actually, what countries are going to actually be involved. And like you said, with um, the big guns, you know, it's going to be the United States and Canada have always been there and, with Germany not having um, a team, but I know Germany, their um, women's football leagues and everything like that has been stepping up. So, you know, hopefully they'll be back and um, see what they were, like that competition and everything. So it's it's really exciting all, all over from um, seeing what the WNFC is going to do next year along with the um, Team USA and IFAF uh, tournament. So the excitement is, it's going to be – it's just exciting and just kind of just see and wait to for the opportunities and what's going to be coming along because you never know what's around the corner, who um, who might sign up and say, hey, we're going to put some money behind, you know what I'm saying, one of these leagues or whatever the fact may be. But it's just very um, – everything – it's just a very exciting time for women's football and it's just going to – Everything is just going to get um, step up from here and um, more fans. And now the international game is just going to, it's just going to grow and get better. So, Yeah, I know. I think it's going to be interesting. We talked to uh, Roger, uh, I mean, sorry, I'm Richard uh, McLean, which heads the IFAB organization. And he was totally excited about, you know, everything that was going to happen this coming year, 2022, because of the, issues in 2020 that could not make it happen. So I know he's excited mm-hmm. to showcase, you know, the Australia, Austra- Australian team, once again, who played in Vancouver. Uh, there's a potential for an Austria team to come back. There's a potential yes, for yes. an Italian team to be suited, uh, even a Brazilian team, from my understanding. Um, so the, the, like you said, the competition might even grow over a week. Um, last time I spoke to him, it was supposed to be a four-day tournament or even a five-day tournament because you have to give, you know, rest periods between the, the mm-hmm. matches to be a day or two of rest period. So, 
it could be to a situation where IFF could pull it off on the women's side where it could be a five-day, you know, a whole week of competition. So that would be interesting. Yeah, that definitely would be um, exciting. Um, that's even great. Uh, I think we had three games and um, – Four days or I don't remember. I can't remember. It's been so long. <laughs> it was back to back. But, um, that, would you would you say? I said it was back to back and grueling from what I hear. Yeah, it would um yes, it it was an experience, but we was well taken care of with the management and the treatment um during that t- time and um making sure um we were healthy and having rest time and uh, recovery time uh, at the um, – we didn't stay in a hotel. We were at a hostel over there in Sweden. So um, we did the best that we could do um, over there. And it was um, – I mean, I was it was a great experience, so I can't complain. So I can only ex- um, see how things are uh, nowadays with um, all the technology and a little bit um, – Big more uh, people behind uh, seeing who, what sponsors and everything may be um, backing the tournament and the different teams and things like that. So it's going to be a great experience. And um, if they're extended to those many days, it's, um, hey, who doesn't like a um, long football tournament? I mean, like, I'm used to, we've, uh, the WNFC, um, having the playoff uh, tournament, how we have it, the two games and everything like that. So for um, for me, it's just uh, kind of having a little bit of practice of having games back-to-back and learning how to recover and um, be able to have a um, – get my body back uh, ready for a game within 24-hour period and everything like that. So um, – I think some players may be um, able to adjust to that, having those games back-to-back like that. But it's just going to be exciting either how – if it's five days, three days, it's, it's going to be a um, great opportunity to see some international football. And with some of the restrictions of uh, COVID and everything, I know that people are going to have to um, take those sacrifices and um, stuff like that. So – We'll just see how everything is. I know that uh, there'll be different uh, changes and restrictions with that. So we'll just have to uh, um, plan accordingly accordingly to um, how things will go. But either way, having those uh, that rest time, I think, uh, help also build this because a lot of people have been waiting. And then with COVID, uh, postponing it, I think a lot of countries too, I think they're getting that big buzz over there too. So I know they're um, probably just exciting, uh, excited uh, with the IFAS game as we are over here. So um, I'm just, it's just going to be a great uh, experience and uh, just uh, for the growth of women's football. So I can't wait to see how everything goes and who do, whoever does. Um, what other countries that does uh, join and just the lineup. So Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, which countries from South America for the first time will probably participate or Central America. So it could be uh, the first there. Um, before I let you go, uh, Olivia, uh, I know you had your coach pass away, one of the key uh, figures for your success in, t- in terms of the Texas Elite Spartans. So 
Uh, can you tell our fans about, you know, his contributions and how that's going to affect the team in 2022 and what it, what it, what he means to the team? Um, he meant a lot uh, for the team. I've been here for uh, five seasons, and he's been a coach uh, for every year that I've been here. So he definitely is going to be missed. Um, he's always was that person um, that would give you that little bit of pep talk to just keep you pushing. And if you're having a bad day, he might give you a joke or give you some encouraging words that you just need to hear that just lets you know, like, hey, just just keep on pushing. And um, he, um, it's the team's not going to be the same. And uh, I know uh, – I know a lot of people were probably going to dedicate next year is going to be dedicated to him. I'm not going to say probably it will be. And uh, just his loss is going to be hard for a lot of people. And I know uh, with tryouts and things like that, just um, past a couple weeks on the second and everything, that was hard for a lot of people and for everyone on the team or for the players not to see him there and to see his smile or his hat that he um, is famous for wearing and everything like that. So I know he's going to be missed. Um, a lot of people, I, we miss him every day. So um, next year is definitely going to be a hard season. And just kind of thinking about it right now, um, it's kind of hard to even think about that aspect of practice and games and things like that. So it's just going to be um, this is going to be hard for the team to get through, but we know that at the end of the day, he don't want us to stop and we're just going to be there for each other and remembering him, his the things that he's taught us and told us. And, um, so uh, definitely next year, y'all going to see a uh, uh, um, the um, Texas Elite Spartans is definitely going to be playing for him. So y'all going to see that. So just be ready for that aspect. So Yeah, Coach Billy Hughes um, passed away. Um, uh, integral part of your success as a team, obviously integral part mm-hmm. of the organization in general, right? And the, 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 the impact that he made on a lot of players in his tenure is really going to be a, a, you know, a benefit to everybody there. Uh, also, you know, to the ownership and and the participation, just to con- the contribution to women's football in general uh, as a coach, yeah. uh, that is, the, you know, big time. So uh, shout out to him, shout out to his family, condolences to his family and, and friends, and uh, to the obviously to you and your and your uh, teammates as well. So Olivia, it's been entertaining. Thanks for making the time and coming back mm-hmm. to uh, facilitate the interview for us. I really, really appreciate it. Looking forward to your 2022 no season. Of- also looking forward to seeing you on that Team USA roster as for the IFAB 2022 uh, championships as in Finland. So it's going to be pretty awesome. But I really appreciate you making the time out of your busy schedule and uh, to give us our gives our fans your perspective on the sport, uh, on the anticipation for next year, and also on the IFAB scene. No problem. Can't um, can't wait for 2020 to happen. Um, putting a lot of work in the off season, so. You got to put that work in, and obviously, you know, it will pay off in um, in due time. So 
just a little note for if people need a tip, put that work in and it's going to pay off. So um, just taking that, you got to take that time off and then get your back, um, my body back to really um, focusing on um, my goals for 2022. So I'm excited and can't wait for that competition and uh, the IFAF and just the excitement of women's football just in general. I'm just excited about that. So I ain't, I'm not done yet. I'll be back next year and um, hope y'all uh, get ready for um, Texas Elite Spartans and um, number six OG. So all right, OG on the in the house. Thanks for making the time. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Looking forward to another no chat. Um, and then we will figure out the uh, once the announcements for the rosters, the excitement of the IFAB tournament. So that's going to be awesome. But uh, Olivia, thanks again. Right. Appreciate it. Uh, have safe travels. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Okay. And uh, looking forward to another chat in the future. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, that was Olivia Griswold, the 2021 Defensive Player of the Year of the champion Texas Elite Spartans, WNFC 2021 Defensive Player of the Year. And uh, thanks for make, uh, for her to make up the time for us. Really, really awesome. And looking forward to her being on the roster for the Team USA squad. Let's bring in uh, Coach Terry Lister here. So we were going to be talking – NFL, and we're going to be diving into the international news in a little bit here. We won't have Mackenzie Brooks today, unfortunately, uh, or Nate Ward or Mark Simone, but uh, Coach Terry here is going to be filling in for us and giving us the lowdown on tough. So, Terry, how's it going today? I'm doing good, man. I'm tired, but I'm good. Tons of things to be grateful. Awesome. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm just uh, getting ready for this Dodger win tonight. Hopefully they don't disappoint okay. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm still I'm still reeling from the Browns loss, so I, I I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's just uh, it was just what a game, but uh, you know, hey, one one I'll take one zero defeats is no big deal. It's it's one that's nine to zero and you're just a crapshoot. But when you're one zero, it's that was pretty good pitching duel. So I got to give them credit, you know, and you get one strike and the difference is there. So not much you can do there. Absolutely. All right, um, so we're going to dive into uh, the overseas news, and then we're going to dive into this Gruden emails, Terry, uh, the bombshell, the social media buzz, you know, the, the, the lightning storm that happened yesterday with uh, John Gruden and the Raiders. So we'll dive into that in a little bit here. But uh, right. uh, let's go to the Czech Republic first. Uh, we are in motion. If you wanted to watch the games right there at the hub, facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Uh, you get it from Fox Agency, exclusively our network partner in Czech Republic. So week five, Prague uh, Harpies, 20 to 14, take down the Brno Amazons. Uh, Terry, last week we said Brno had not been, uh, you know, any losses. This year it's a different story. They've already got their two and two for the year. So <laughs> not a juggernaut oh, as wow. we wanted. And the Prague teams uh, obviously have elevated their game. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say when that happens. It's kind of like you don't know if it's because they're not as dominant as they usually are or the other teams got are better than they, you know, they've raised their game or maybe a little bit of both. But that's all, I think it's good. It's good for the league. It wasn't a bad deal. Um, if you watch the game, it's a full game right there at the hub, 20-14. Uh, to 14, um, It wasn't like you know a rout or a beat, a beat down, as they say. It was just a competitive mm-hmm. game, and uh, Prague Harpies do, come in, do get the win. And so Berno Amazons go to two and two. The Harpies 
are really improving, so shout-out to them. Uh, Warsaw Falls once again, so they're 0-4 for the season. Probably not going to make the playoffs at this point, just, you know, FYI. Um, it was 80-18, to Terry. The Black Cats of Prague just uh, put the beat down on the Warsaw Sirens, so I feel bad for them. But 0-4, uh, probably back to the drawing board, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when another team scores 80 points, um, that means they pretty much did whatever they wanted for the whole game. So, um, And when you talk about sure. Terry 999 as a coach, that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> when you were yeah. playing 999 and putting up 80 points on you, that's pretty bad. Yeah, for sure. Back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board. Um, week six, <laughs> looking forward to the matchups here. Prague Harpies will be taking on Warsaw Sirens. Um, so the Harpies probably qualify for the playoffs at this point. Uh, given the Warsaw track record, uh, more likely they punch in their, their playoff hopes now. The Black Cats will take on Berno. This is probably a game that they don't want to lose if you're Berno. You do not want to go 2-3 and three on the season and maybe be the first time that you don't make the playoffs. Yeah, for sure, especially with their history. I mean, it's it's one thing to go from being an undefeated juggernaut to, you know, a step lower than that, but to go from being that to not making the playoffs at all is just um, pretty pretty big step down. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But then we're gonna head over to Amsterdam, uh, and that's gonna be the Hague. Uh, they got routed. 20, uh, I'm sorry, the Hague and the Amsterdam Cats game was uh, forfeited by the Hague, so the league gave the Cats a 20 to zero victory for the standings. Coming up week six here, uh, it's going to be Swole Blue Jays. Uh, 0-1 will be taking on um, Rottenham uh, uh, Ravens, uh, also 1-1. One and, one. and then Edenhagen Valkyries will be taking on 30 Wolverines. So we'll look up for that. And we'll also get uh, links for the coverage plus still photos from Queensland Football League. So you can be on the lookout for that at the hub. In Mexico, uh, Terry, first week of La Fai, 11s, 11s Division One and Division Two. Uh, Pumitas, they get edged uh, seven to six against Titanes. Um, so that was a really, really awesome game. You can get to watch it there at the hub as well, courtesy of Zona de Gol uh, at the hub right there. And then Maya Puebla, 18-0, uh, took down Mexicas. And you can also get to watch the game there via YouTube. Uh, Raiders, 14-8 to uh, against the Lobos. So watch the game right there live on the hub. So week one in Lafay, uh, Terry, uh, pretty impressive victories by a couple teams, uh, but very close matchups. There's nothing over 20 points. Everything was 14-8, 18-0, and 6-7. and So really rough and really good defensive games. Yeah. When you were saying those scores, I was thinking those would be fun games to watch because they're all close in like one-score games. Makes you wonder if um, it's just a lot of really good defense or a lack of offense. And so – Without watching the game, mm-hmm. I can't really speak, speak either way. But um, well, I can tell you yeah, right now, defensively, the, most of the matches were pretty good. So they kept up yeah. most of the defense in that sense. So uh, yeah, shout-out sure. to uh, Lafay Division One, uh, Division Two. it was Panteras Negras 14-6 to over Dragones. Uh, Maya Pueblo, uh, uh, 6, they fall to Halcones, 32. So we're going to get week uh, two or week three coming up here. Uh, take it officially week two. It was one scrimmage week, 
So officially week two coming up here this week. And once that's finalized, we will get uh, the information from LaFi, and then we'll obviously post any relevant games and coverages. There's three network partners that we're working with right now that will be covering the games week to week. Uh, Blitz Video, Zona Del Gol, uh, a lot of the uh, contracts with uh, LaFi already in place. So we will keep you up to date week to week. Only place to be is at the Hub. So if you're not at the Hub, I don't know what you're doing. You're not drinking the Kool-Aid. So start drinking the Kool-Aid, go to the Hub. It's pretty easy to do, right? This is the way it goes. All right. Um, yeah. All right, Terry, uh, over in Germany, the season ends October 10th, last week of the season. Uh, Sarlon Hurricanes, congratulations to them. They finished 8-0. and There will be no championships in Germany because of the COVID restrictions, so they are technically crowned uh, the champions of their group, the Southwest champions. Archon Vampires also uh, last week 48-0 uh, to over Manchemenbeck uh, Wolfpacks, so they have the West champs, and then uh, the Herzogen uh, Rhinos, also uh, Southwest camp. So n- none of the competition went into a playoff mode. So congratulations to the three uh, winners in each group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of a bummer that they, they're not able to do playoffs because of COVID, but you can't finish better than eight. No. So kudos for at least doing that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was really, really awesome weekend there. Uh, we will be keeping tabs, like I said, on LaFi uh, coming up this next weekend. We're also going to be anticipating, uh, let me get my notes here, anticipation is FX Mexico will kick off October 24th, uh, both FX Football Norte and regular. And Lexva, I believe, will kick off on October 16th. So we will have everything coverage in Mexico, and going forward for the next eight to six weeks, we will be in Mexico exclusively uh, as Europe kind of closes down we also have the action from the nwfl in uk check it out right there shishar bears uh all the action that happened in this weekend tournament tournament three uh a couple of the games there so uh, check it out as we get more information from baffa we will go ahead and upload it and share it with you but overall shishar uh great weekend for t3 it was a huge weekend october 9th so go to the hub facebook.com for slash great interviews and uh, check it out. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Lindsey Cash, uh, awesome, uh, 393 on the podcast. It was our, our best podcast reach of all time, Terry. It's pretty mm. awesome. So, um, okay. We had literally uh, 5,000 Facebook reach, which we've never had that before on her, own, on her post. Uh, thanks and shout out to her fans for coming out and listening to our podcast last last week, uh, 393. So, Lindsay, if you're listening, I really, really appreciate it. You're awesome. Thanks for that. Really, really appreciate it. So hopefully it will bump our reach on um, iHeart and Spotify as well uh, and on Apple. Yeah. If you missed out all our, uh, our podcasts, you can check out everything in October. 392 was Carrie, uh, Carrie Mackey, New York Storm, uh, New, Nevada Storm. Uh, 391, Florida Avengers, Coach Jones and Kim Phillips. Uh, 390, Kelly Smith of the Alabama Fire. 389, Taylor Hay of the St. Louis Slam and Casey Glory. And then 388 with the uh, beautiful and talented Tori Petri, uh, media reporter for, former media reporter of the Detroit Lions. 387, the talented Megan Lewis as well, uh, so Rookie of the Year. So uh, pretty, pretty, pretty cool. So really appreciate you guys listening, tuning in, and uh, subscribing on all your favorite platforms. All right, Terry, uh, that's it. Pretty much international news. So 
If you need to know anything else, I guess you go to the hub. That's where you need to be, at the hub. Yeah, absolutely. I guess my only curious question for you, Oscar, is if Lindsay's episode was was uh, the new record with 5,000 reach, what is second place? Uh, we normally yeah. average 1,500, uh, eight, okay. between eight and 1,500. Okay. So, but she does have like... Water. She uh, she does have like I think uh, I think nineteen thousand followers on Instagram, so yeah. that could you know obviously help us, <laughs> and it did. Well, so uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's yeah. Uh, you know it's helpful that you got almost twenty thousand followers, so it doesn't hurt <laughs> you, I guess. No, no, no. <laughs> so it, it did help us that she you know she posted out she was going to be on our podcast, and obviously there's a lot of people listening and they they're inclined, and then. Uh, we did share it to uh, a lot of the X League boards and groups, and she ha- she's part- she participates in a lot of the groups, and she did share that to the groups. I think it was 28 shares on her behalf almost. So uh, that will also get us a big bump. So uh, shout out to the X League groups and fans out there, and shout out to Lindsay Cash for making it uh, very, very awesome for us to get bumped up. And then uh, shout out to your- the European uh, scene out there, as I said at the beginning of the podcast. Thanks to everybody in Denmark and Spain and in Germany for bumping us up over in Europe. Uh, in Denmark, I think we're one number 124 uh, based on Chartable in Denmark out of 500 podcasts. So it's pretty awesome. So if you're listening in Denmark, we really appreciate it. Yeah, very cool. All right. Uh, Terry, uh, we talked about Urban Meyer, and all of a sudden the NFL, I think, is, I don't know if this is going to be a week-to-week thing. I'm just kidding. Or it's like, <laughs> yeah, I hope no, we do it. <laughs> but um, John Gruden, obviously, uh, I, it's it's an old email from when he was working at, uh, I guess, ESPN, from my understanding. So based on the email from – and based on the article from the New York Times, who broke the uh, the news, I guess. So the NFL uncovered yet more emails involving Raiders coach John Gruden from 2010 to 2018 in which he used sexist, homophobic and transphobic language, according to a report from the New York Times. Uh, he did apologize on Twitter, I believe, uh, on a tweet made by the uh, by the statement there. And then um, so Adam Schefter said, uh, John Gruden's statement, quote, I have resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff, fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry I never meant to hurt anyone, unquote. And that was uh, October 11th at, uh, I think, 6.53 is when Adam sent it out. So um, I don't know about you, Terry, but uh, Fall Guy, it's my only uh, inclination here. Yeah, so I've been thinking about this all day, Oscar, because I knew I was going to be on the podcast, and I knew it was going to be a talking point. And um, I wanted to make sure that I had my my, my thoughts kind of – collected. So um, before I give you my opinion about the whole Gruden situation, I just want to say that I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody but myself. You know, I'm not speaking on behalf of the Denver Bandits or the WNSC. I'm only speaking on behalf of myself. And so my opinion is my own. With that being said, um, I guess the first thing is I understand why it happened, right? I understand why he is no longer the, the coach of the Raiders I understand that in, in you know it's 2021, and whether it's things that you did in the past or things that you're currently doing, um, either of those 
depending on what it is that you did or, or are doing, um, are pretty much, you know, career enders. Um, and that can happen very quickly. So I don't have a problem with the Raiders, um, you know, releasing him as their coach. I think it's the right move. I agree that he would be a distraction for the team. Um, he doesn't want to be that. And I, and I, I don't blame anybody for making that call. Now, with that being said, Oscar, um, I do have some opinions about how our society handles things like this. <laughs> so if you don't mind, let me just share. Um, yeah, I'll give you the floor. Two minutes. Do your two-minute drill. Yeah. Okay, two-minute drill. So I think the easy thing, Oscar, to do in this situation is, is to point the finger um, at John Gruden and say, you know, that he's a bigot, POS, um, good riddance, you know, and all that stuff and pretty much just troll him and make memes about him and just pile on, right? Like he's already lost his career as a coach. Um, and so people just want to pile on. I think that's the easy thing to do. And f- from my perspective, when things like this happen where somebody is exposed for something that they are doing or they did in the past, my personal inclination in that situation is to try to like look at it from um, a lens of trying to have empathy for the person or like compassion um, or grace. Right. And so here's, here's kind of my take home point. I'm going to say this right now, who I was 10 years ago, Oscar is not who I am today. Okay. So I was raised a certain way. I have certain beliefs. Those beliefs have changed over the years. Um, and I'm very grateful for the, the growth I've had as a person. So my point is, is that who I was 10 years ago isn't who I am today, and, and that, that's a good thing, right? And so as, as that pertains, like, the reason that matters with the Gruden situation is I've never met John Gruden, right? And what he did 10 years ago and who he is now, I can't speak either way. Right. And so I don't know if he is a bigot POS or he was and now he isn't. I can't, you know, I, I've never met, met the guy. I'll never know. It's just, uh, it's not my call. Right. So what's interesting is on my podcast, I talked about how, like, when we, when we see pictures online or we see a video online or we see a, you know, a video with or without volume, there's always different things of evidence where people can watch it and have a reaction to it. Right. Well, this was mm-hmm. the above. This was emails, and not only was it emails, it was emails that we never saw. So, for me, it's like I don't know what the email said. I know that it's fair to say that they were offensive to, to a certain extent, right? They, they were definitely inf- insensitive to certain groups. Um, they wouldn't have been mm-hmm. an issue if they weren't. That, that, that part's kind of obvious. Um, but we don't get to read them, right? We don't know what we said. We don't know if if it was obviously a joke or how it was said or the wording or who knows. So I guess in conclusion, I've never met John Gruden and I don't think it's, I don't think it's my place to judge anybody. I'm an imperfect person. Um, I'm an imperfect man and John Gruden's an imperfect man. And so my first inclination is not to judge somebody else or to, you know, cause I don't know where he's at. I don't know if he's grown since then. I don't know if that's who he is as a person. I just can't speak either way. And so I understand why they did it. And um, I think the whole thing is unfortunate. The Raiders are having a good season so far, and I think he's a really good football coach. But to speak on his character 
or just to throw him in the trash and just label him, you know, as, you know, people just like, like to demonize and cancel culture and stuff like that. I'm just not a fan of it. You know what I mean? I'm a fan, I'm a fan of people growing and learning from their mistakes and, um, you know, trying to be better people. So I just think that our, our country, the USA is filled with a lot of people that are angry, a lot of people that are aggressive and they're very divisive and more, more so than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And that's unfortunate. And I think when these things happen, um, those type of people want to just get that person out of their sight. And I think that that just, it just lacks room for growth. And so whole thing's unfortunate. I understand why they did it. That's my whole, my whole two cents. Um, but yeah, yeah no, the Raiders, I think the Raiders made the right call. That's fine. You find yeah. out this is what, yeah. what issues were. This is not going to be something that you want to move forward with. That's a situation yeah. you part ways. The, the other yeah. uh, factor of it was, okay, did they do this because of the contract was so huge? I mean, there's like a lot of scenarios on, obviously, on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. Um, and then also, you know, the situation with the investigation with the Washington football team was supposed to be diving into uh, Dan Snyder. That was supposed to be the key. And here we are. This comes out to be a, a situation where this coach gets ousted, right? And so to me, it's yeah. like it's like a bigger, uh, a bigger situation. It's kind of like a syndicate mo- mode. You know, there's a cover-up here. Somebody had to take a fall. Uh, we don't know what the what the outcome will be of the investigation between you know the Dan Snyder investigation. It could be even worse with Allen Bruce Allen as an example there. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we don't know yet in terms of you know we we knew we knew we know what John Gruden said. We know his his opinion on Roger Goodell, his opinion on you know uh, Sam uh, Michael Sam, his opinion on and all of the other things that he said in terms of the email that was brought out at the New York Times. So you guys can pretty much already read it. It's all over the Internet. So uh, my two cents to it is I think the, the NFL side of things is they made, it, they made the right decision. The Raiders obviously could have made a swifter decision knowing what it is. Um, maybe the contract was so huge that somebody had to take something of a, out of their pocket to make it null and void. That's another scenario that everybody's, everybody's been talking about. So the discussion mm-hmm. is moving on. Uh, I think the NFL at this point, if there's an issue with accountability for coaches uh, or an issue with accountability with owners, as a general rule, um, if things do come out even worse than this situation, then we got to start looking at Roger Goodell and how much he was covering up for the owners, right? Because he works for the owners. So it could be yeah. even worse. You know what I mean? So I'm going to leave it at yeah. that so we can chat about it next week or the week after as more likely things are going to evolve and things else are going to come out. And when you get to a political state of an environment like we are in this country, divided, uh, things get overblown from one side to the other, and opinions get thrown out, and, and things just get lashed, right? People just backlash. They don't even wait for facts. They just could just start tweeting out and start just doing their own thing. So at this point, the NFL, the Raiders made the call. They decided based on the emails that were um, disclosed and leaked uh, to the New York Times, and that obviously included John Gruden. That ended it right there. So uh, John Gruden no longer a coach in the NFL, no longer probably a coach anywhere else, and no, not a, a coach of the Raiders as we stand right now. So we're going to go into week five, and mm-hmm. let's get Holly's take on week five, and then we're going to give uh, myself and Terry's take on week five, and then we'll dive into week six before we get out of here. So let's go to Holly's Corner. 
Here are the most interesting results from the NFL in Week 5. Packers 25, Bengals 22 in overtime. The Bengals have much improved this year and made this game interesting. The experience the Packers have, however, paid off late in the game. Devontae Adams is on fire and ended with 206 yards receiving and a touchdown. Steelers 27, Broncos 19. Broncos have come back to earth and the Steelers got a much, much needed win. Najee Harris finally got going and ended with 23 carries and 122 yards. This took some of the pressure off Big Ben. Eagles 21, Panthers 18. Panthers, like the Broncos, have come back to earth as well. The Eagles have a knack for making the game ugly, but they got it done. The Jets version of Sam Darnold has now arrived as he ended with three picks. Bears 20, Raiders 9. Justin Fields seems a bit more comfortable now, and the Bears take care of the Raiders. The Bears were able to get their run game going, which took some pressure off. Carr looked average today. This has been the Raiders' M.O. the last few years. They start seasons hot and then drop off a cliff. Hopefully, this is not what's happening now. Chargers 47, Browns 42. What a game. There were 41 combined fourth quarter points and a wild finish. Herbert played outside his mind with 398 passing yards, four touchdowns thrown, and one touchdown run. The Browns were able to move the ball as well, but the Chargers' late game management paid off. Last year, you would have never said that sentence. Watch out, though, because the Chargers are for real and Herbert is entering the MVP race. Rams 26, Seahawks 17. The Rams got it done in a divisional matchup. Stafford had 365 yards passing and broke the game open in the third. Russell Wilson got hurt and Geno Smith had to come in. Wilson will be out a few weeks at least, and now the Seahawks are in trouble. Their defense is already suspect, and Wilson was holding the boat together. All right, so Terry, she's talking about um, your, the Chargers taking down the, the Browns. We knew there was going to be a very competitive matchup. Uh, Herbert, mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's kind of elevating week to week. Uh, 41 points, 300-plus yards. So uh, I know that's not what you wanted to hear, but, uh, <laughs> you know, in terms of a football analyst, uh, this, is, this kid's kind of evolving week to week. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Herbert. I knew it was going to be a good game. Um, obviously, I'm disappointed in the result. But um, what I noticed about the Chargers, especially since I watched I watched that game in its entirety, is the way that they've structured their team is very interesting to me. Because if you, if you look at, like, the size of all the players, it's like literally a whole bunch of tall guys and Austin Eckler on offense. And it's a, yep. it's a well-oiled machine. So you have a six-foot-six quarterback. You know, I think Mike Williams is 6'4". Um, I think Jared Cook is 6'5". And then um, Keenan Allen is 6'2". So you have all these tall guys. So, like, just imagine a whole bunch of monsters, you know what I mean, that can see over, over everybody playing catch. And then you have Austin Eckler between the tackles that people have a hard time um, keeping track of. So, I mean, they just have a really smart system. Their, their coach is a really good young coach. It was super annoying as a Browns fan. Like, they kept on going for it on a fourth down, converting it. And so our defense was like, you know, doing their job, getting them, you know, stopping them in three downs. And then they would just go for it on fourth down and get it, whether it's fourth and seven. There was a time, Oscar, where they went for it on fourth. I think it was fourth and seven on like their own 20-something yard line. Like it, it defied logic. I think the Browns were up like 17 to three or something. We were up by two scores. And they mm-hmm. were up in their own territory up and it was fourth and long and they went for it. And of course they converted it. 
But it just like that's, that's I don't know, man. Maybe I'm old school, but um, that's just like, like it's so far away from what I was taught growing up, as far as just the sure. basic, you know, like when when to go for it and not to go for it. Like they're they're just saying screw it. Like we we trust our quarterback to make the right read and make the play, and we have enough guys, and we're just going to gamble. And so, unfortunately for the Browns, that worked out for them, and um, it came down in the end to basically two plays, in my opinion. There was a really bad P.I. call that went against the Browns. When you see the replay, it's laughable. Um, it is what it is. And then also, Kevin Stefanski made a really boneheaded play call on third and long. I think it was third and nine or third and ten in the fourth quarter. They had just scored to tie the game, but they missed the extra points. So we're up by one point with the ball, about three minutes left. It was about third and nine, third and ten, and he chose to do a shotgun run with Kareem Hunt. And so he got about five yards, we punted the ball, and they won. So I know that Stefanski's mad at himself about that. He wishes he'd get it back, but it just sucks. You know what I mean? He's a really good coach. He very rarely has those mental lapses. Um, sure. But it was just just enough to be the difference. And so – So what do you think they're going to do? What do you think they're going to do against Arizona? Arizona's – actually, I was surprised that Arizona struggled against Frisco. But Frisco D did come into play, even though their offense was not – what they wanted to see. Yeah, it's a good question. Arizona's the only remaining undefeated team in the NFL, so that's worth noting. Um, Kyler Murray's a headache. You know, they have awesome receivers like DeAndre Hopkins. So they're a good team. They're, they also have a – the common theme is these, these good young head coaches. So they have a good young head coach as well. And um, I'm not sure how much they gamble, but if they're like Stefanski and – the Chargers coach, that's going to be stressful too. But uh, it's hard to say, man. Honestly, for me, as, as a Browns fan, I try to be realistic. I think it comes down to how, how healthy we are. Um, against the Chargers, Denzel Ward got hurt in the first quarter, was out for the game. We didn't have Greg Newsom for the whole game. And so we had Greedy Williams and this guy, um, Green, who's like an undrafted free agent playing as our starting corners. Uh, Troy Hill's kind of a liability in coverage which you probably already know that because you're a Rams fan. And um, mm-hmm. our, our safeties, I don't know if it was a miscommunication or they just schemed up the play the correct way or, or they got out coached or what, but there was two plays where Herbert threw to a wide open uh, Mike Williams for deep touchdowns where our safety just got lost. And so we got to fix that stuff. So if we don't fix that stuff, um, we're going to lose the, the Cardinals for sure. But it is in, it is in well, Cleveland. And if we can get healthy, I think we have a shot to be their first lost loss. All right. Baltimore struggled against uh, Indianapolis early, really struggled early. Now they get the Chargers. So Lamar Jackson and company here, they're going up against Herbert and company. Uh, they cannot struggle. <laughs> oh, they're going to get blown out. <laughs> yeah. So, that, I mean, as a Browns fan, I am so tired of watching the Ravens and Steelers get lucky and pull out games sure. like this. And so when they did that against the Colts last night, I was just like sick to my stomach watching it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like the, the game was, was essentially over. You know what I mean? Like the Colts had this huge. Yo, no, it was, it was done. I mean, I was yeah. so mad. I have, I was playing on Fandle, the five, uh, five man play. And I had a couple of the, you know, Lamar Jackson's as my big MVP guy. And that just went to nothing. So I just, <laughs> Oh my God. I was like, come on, bro. Um, yeah. You know, who would have thought, right. Who would have thought, uh, Carson Wentz was going to be like the guy, right? 
you know, on, yeah. on that uh, the whole matchup. But um, what do you say of Chicago's win over the Raiders? Surprising because the Raiders were like, okay, they're on a roll, but all of a sudden Justin Fields, uh, if this kid gets a little bit more comfortable, he's going up against uh, this this coming weekend. He's going up against Rodgers. Yeah, so I would say that the the first thing is momentum's real. So if the Bears have momentum um, from getting a couple wins with Justin Fields, that is a real thing. But I, w- I would say it's hard to say because without watching the game, I, I was told that the Raiders played flat um, and un- uninspired football most of the game. I don't know what to attribute that to, right? I don't know if it was related to Gruden. I don't know if they just had a down game or, you know, who mm-hmm. knows. But – what I do know is the Bears have a good defense because I the the Browns already played the Bears, so I, I can speak for that. So the Bears have a good defense, and um, you know they probably made it difficult for Carr and company. And uh, if if they weren't on, then that was enough for them to pull it out. I mean, it was a close game; it wasn't like they blew them out or anything. But um, sure, you know, it's just hard to know what to attribute to, tri- attribute it to. You know what I mean? Yeah for week six and then we'll finish up week six before we get out of here let's go with Holly here here are my top matchups to watch out for in week six of the NFL Packers at Bears this is a big divisional matchup this will be a test for Justin Fields and a measuring stick can he hang with Aaron Rodgers and can the Bears slow down Devontae Adams Chargers at Ravens huge AOC matchup Herbert versus Lamar two different styles Ravens have to score early as they're not built to get into a shootout with the Chargers. A Chargers win here puts them in a really good spot. Cardinals at Browns. Arizona is still hot, but the matchup between Murray and the Browns D-line will be very interesting. This will probably be a wild ending. Raiders at Broncos. Both teams have fallen off the last couple of weeks. Which team can right the ship? This will also pay dividends in the division. Bills at Titans. You have a firepower of offense with the Bills versus an old-school offense with Henry and the Titans. The Titans will need to work on ball control to keep the ball out of the Bills' hands in order to pull this off. All right. So, Terry, um, she's alluding Buffalo for real at this point. I think that Josh Allen and company, they, they've played a really good so far this, this season. They're going up against Tennessee, mm-hmm. Tannehill. Henry, probably the only real weapon. Their defense, uh, ten, uh, Tennessee's defense is not so, you know, it's probably middle of the road. But, uh, you know, yeah. Buffalo took down Kansas City 38-20. Uh, should we talk about Kansas City sliding here at this point? Or should we, do we have to wait two more weeks for, for us to panic and say, okay, they're done? Because they don't look very, <laughs> uh, offensively, they don't look very, you know, Kansas City-like like they were a year ago. And Buffalo does yeah. look pretty well you know, with, uh, with the weapons. So Monday night under the light, uh, I'm assuming Buffalo will take this one. Oh, absolutely. I definitely, I definitely agree that Buffalo will win. As far as the chiefs go, I would say it's hard to say only because I believe in, um, Andy Reid as a coach and I believe in Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. So when you have like one of the best coaches and one of the best quarterbacks who's young and athletic and dual threat, make all the throws, has some of the fastest people in the NFL he's thrown to. When you have all those things and you have a guy who's really smart calling the plays, just a really hard – it's like it's like a monopoly, right, of, of having all that one, one team. So I wouldn't count them out, especially because they're in, you know, that division 
because I, I, I'm not really a believer in the Broncos. I'm not a believer in the Raiders necessarily, but I am a believer in the Chargers. So I think that they could yeah. probably slide into that second slot in the playoffs, but what that's just going to mean for them is they're going to have more playoff games. There's no first-round bye. You might have to play some away playoff games, just a harder road to, to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, no, I but agree. With but that. I think Kansas City is still second best in the West, AFC West. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, TB12 uh, It's going to take on uh, Hertz. And Philadelphia, is, even with Hertz, as their <laughs> one-man show, I mean, Philadelphia's yeah. got no weapons on offense, no run game. Uh, looks like TB might have a field day here. Yeah, that's what I expect. Um, it's funny. One of the commentators was saying, is it possible that that New England held Brady back? <laughs> because now you see Seriously. Brady at age whatever, you know, 43 or four, yeah, 44, throwing five touchdowns a week with all these, you know, weapons around him and stuff. It's kind of just funny to think think about that. But, yeah, man, I, I, this, this train's not going to stop moving. Um, you know, Brady's not going to slow down. They're, they're in a rhythm on offense, and uh, I think the Eagles are just in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, you know, I don't Yeah, think if you're an Eagles fan, yeah. uh, misery is coming. That's the other way I can put it. <laughs> yeah, maybe skip the yeah. <laughs> Right? <laughs> for sure. Sunday's not going to be good for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and that's at home. <laughs> so you're not going to be yeah. having a yeah, great just day. just to add it on. Um, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, really good uh, outing for Harris. Uh, and, you know, pretty good offensive uh, unit for Pittsburgh there. Uh, Seattle, Geno Smith, no Russell mm-hmm. Wilson. Uh, Nate was very angry. He didn't want to make the podcast this week because apparently he's disgusted with how everything's going in Seattle right now. But uh, <laughs> you know, losing Russell Wilson is a big blow for Seattle, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean – uh, the, the easy pick there is the Steelers because they're they you know the the Seahawks don't have Russell Wilson so that's just a huge blow to their team and their offense. But um, from what I've heard, I didn't watch that game, but I heard that when Geno Smith came in, he he kind of played admirably. And um, you know, in when he came yeah, in, yeah, no, Russell he was, Wilson, he so, was pretty good for us for the last quarter. He did really well. Twenty six of twenty six seventeen was the win, so it wasn't like. He didn't have the potential to do it, uh, but an opportunity for him, Terry, to really shine now, right? Russell's gone. Now take the team on your back. Yeah. You get this big yeah, win I'm in Pittsburgh. Ne- no, I'm not necessarily a uh, Geno Smith believer, but I am a Pittsburgh Steeler hater. So, with that being said, you're on the Mac wagon. Wow, she's on the cheese yeah. wagon, and you're on the Steeler. You're on yeah. the Steeler bash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm a Browns fan, so I hate them with everything sure. inside of me, um, naturally, from a very young age. But, yeah, so I'm hoping that the Seahawks can basically just throw together an ugly win against the Steelers. But, you know, um, what I'm hoping isn't going to happen is that the Steelers didn't finally figure stuff out. Because if you look at it on paper, they, they didn't have a run game until this game, right? And mm-hmm. – Ben has played pretty horrible the whole season. But Terry, this game. Seattle, we can't take uh, we can't take away anything from Seattle except for the quarterback issue. If Geno just manages correctly, he still has Lockett and Metcalf. Right. He still has yeah. weapons. It's not like he's not yeah. have weapons, right? 
he's walking into a yeah. probably a familiar system that he's been probably working with within the last what year. So it's not like yeah. he's, you know, a rookie quarterback, but he does have weapons. Mm-hmm. So if used properly, Lockett and Metcalf, you never know. Like to your point. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely hoping, but we'll, I guess we'll see. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. All right, so uh, Thursday night, Tampa Bay, Philly. You can go to monkeyknifefight.com, get your $5 free play props out there, more or less. Monkeyknifefight.com, use the, use the code NJF, get started today. Sunday night, Seattle against Pittsburgh. Monday night, Buffalo against Tennessee. Check it out. Go to Monkey Night 5. It's what keeps us alive here on the podcast. Support our sponsor, monkeyknife5.com. If you put in a $5 play, you win both of the props, you're going to get $15. If you put in a $30 play, you're going to get $90. Bucks. If you're going to put a $300 play, if you're inclined enough, you're going to make about $900. So check it out, Monkey Night 5, code NJF to get started. All right, Ron, I want to thank Olivia uh, Griswold for coming in here. The 2021 WNFC Defensive Player of the Year of the t- with the champion Texas Elite Spartans. Um, so she's looking forward to participating on Team USA in the 2022 IFAB World Championships. If At this point, they're slated for that fall. So it's going to be pretty cool. Um, Terry, any other game? Uh, Dallas might get beat by New England. I don't know. Uh, Mac Jones, Dallas looks pretty decent, 4-1, and one, but you know, New England did play pretty pretty tough against Tampa Bay, so we could have a surprise there. I know Mac would say no way, but you know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you know, it's all about matchups, right? So yep. football's not played on paper. So just because on paper Dallas seems like a much better team than New England, that doesn't mean necessarily that's the way the game's going to play out. And so you never know when, you know, you have Bill Belichick calling the shots, who he's going to be able to beat or – make it interesting, and so we'll see. But Dallas looks really good, in my opinion. Um, so I think <laughs> – I mean, I don't, I don't – they're, like, scoring a lot of points on everybody. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's like, I guess in theory, the Pats could slow them down, but easier said than done, man. I mean, with the, their two running backs oh, yeah. and back throwing to the, the receivers, I mean, that's just – it's just tough to deal with, so – Oh, yeah. And then the uh, if we before we get out of college football, uh, we highlighted the weekend for college football. Number three, Cincinnati will take it on UCF. Uh, number 12, Oklahoma State will be taking on Texas. Uh, 11, Can- uh, Kentucky will be taking on number one, Georgia, probably the game that everybody's going to be watching there. Alabama against Mississippi State. That would be a prayer if Mississippi State actually get the chance to beat them down. <laughs> Pretty sure Alabama's going to be very angry this coming week. Oh, uh, yeah. Number yeah. 18. Arizona State against Utah. So pretty key games in college football as well. Thanks to Holly uh, for breaking it down for us and giving us the rundown on both uh, week six and week week seven. Uh, so that's it, Terry. Appreciate you coming in or uh, and having us give us the insights on the NFL, the Gruden emails, and the international news. So uh, it's been fun. I hope you've had fun coming on and uh, we keep it going. And next week it's going to be even uh, more interesting given the college football shuffle. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on as as usual. Uh, hopefully, I didn't piss anybody off too much with my my Gruden take. Um, but you know, I'm 40 years old now, and the older I get, the less I care about. Um, you know, I have enough friends. I'm not running for office, and so, you know, if people want to be mad, they can be mad. But all I can do is just be wow. Myself, you're not running you know for office, saying? Terry. What's going on with you? I'm not. How, how could I'm not, you not be running for office? Yeah, there's no lister 2024 coming. It's correct. <laughs> 
Low, All low I can profile. Say is, uh, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of reaction. Okay, but no, no research. That's usually what happens on social yeah. media. Okay, a lot of quick reaction. Yeah. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not used to waiting for facts anymore. We're just like, okay, that's what it said. Okay, we treat it as facts when in reality this is probably not the case. But uh, you know, as they as they say before, be careful what you send when you send. Right. Just make sure you yeah. <laughs> read that over more than once. Uh, put your thoughts yeah. in process. So uh, the uh, the Gruden emails. We don't know what the ramifications will be going forward. That's all I got to say. Uh, my inclination mm-hmm. is this is guy. This guy's a fall guy. <laughs> they got to figure out. They had to figure out a way to get rid of this horrendous contract. I don't know who who decided to do that. Mark Davis probably drunk or something. Ten years, a hundred million. Screw <laughs> not worth the money. Okay, not even worth the money it was printed on. Just I'm sorry, just not worth the money. So idiotic <laughs> move there, and maybe this. Hold the uh, this whole thing salvaged his contract, <laughs> gave him back his sixty million that apparently he wants back. So uh, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of scenarios, a lot of comments. I'm pretty sure you're getting them all over on the group boards as well, and all over your social media. So uh, we gave you our, uh, our opinions. Uh, obviously, everybody's got an opinion, so you can go check it out on all the platforms, Yahoo Sports and Sporting News, and there's a lot of stuff there with different opinions and opinions. So uh, Gruden out as Raider coach. We don't know what the Gruden email ramification for the NFL is going to be. So we'll keep tabs on it week to week coming next week. So hopefully we don't get another bombshell. We got Urban Meyer started this whole thing, and now we got John Gruden second in here. So we don't know what's going to happen next. Dan Snyder, maybe. Uh, but for the Stay absent soon. Mackenzie Stay Brooks, soon, the absent <laughs> Nate Ward, uh, the absent uh, Mark Simone, thanks to Terry Lister here for coming in and filling in for us. Uh, thanks to Olivia Griswell for uh, giving us the interview time. And uh, we'll catch you here for 395 as we head towards the big 400. Check it out next week. Subscribe on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. Have a great night, everybody. All right, see ya. ...is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Sight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.